Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile, with a message for everyone paying big wireless way too much. Please, for the love of everything good in this world, stop. With Mint, you can get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Of course, if you enjoy overpaying, no judgments, but that's weird. Okay, one judgment. Anyway, give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to On The Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer, joined by three panelists. Today, we have Kathy Fecky. How are you, Kathy? I'm good. I'm alive. That's <laughs> that's helpful. Are you referring to your heliskiing experience? I am. My anniversary gift from my husband to take me up on the peak of some random mountain for our 25th anniversary. I survived it, even though the pilot didn't want to go and the guide told us it was the most dangerous day they'd ever seen and then the helicopter sunk into the powder um and he said i don't want to spend the night out here and i said i don't either this is not the anniversary gift i had in mind anyway we made it back <laughs> i feel like that's one of those times when your spouse gets you a gift but it's really a, a gift for the person giving it like knowing 100%. rich a little bit it sounds like he just wanted to do this and bought it for you for your anniversary yeah a little bit of that <laughs> well, we're, well we're glad you survived we also have Henry Washington. Henry, how are you? I'm well, but I'm well. Glad to be here. Good to have you. And James Daynard as well. What's up, man? Oh, I was just, just freezing away in Seattle today. It's it's a cold, rainy day. We're snowed in here. In Arkansas? Yeah, man. Really? So I would like to give the caveat that like Arkansas, it gets cold enough to get snow, but not consistent enough that we have any infrastructure or are prepared to handle said snow. 
So if it like snows at all, it's like the whole, it's everything is closed. No one's going anywhere. Chaos. So that's why you're recording from home. I love that that's your home studio. It's so professional that that's like your second best option. <laughs> if you, it, it's it's curated. Trust me. If I if I move the camera in any one other direction, <laughs> you will see you will see that I have two kids. <laughs> <laughs> There's just toys everywhere. All right. Well, we have a good show for you today. So first, we are going to start by playing a game. We haven't done this in like six months. We I don't know how. I think Kaylin and I just forgot. It's probably my fault. But I'm glad to be getting back into it. And then we are going to do a repeat of one of our formats that I love doing and our audience seems to really enjoy. Each of our three panelists are going to bring a deal that they are actively working on or thinking about, and we're going to talk through some of the benefits, some of the situations that they're encountering to help you all understand how to navigate today's market. So for today's game, which we're going to do first, we are going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask you, I guess I'm going to guess too, because I don't know the answers, how the price of certain things. So basically we're going to guess how much inflation has impacted the price of certain items in the U.S., and we are going to start, Henry, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Let's do it. What is the national average of gas prices right now? Man, I feel like these are these are not fair questions for me. We're so cheap here in Arkansas compared to everywhere else, I would think. I think the last I saw here in Arkansas, we're at like, what is it? $3 a gallon or $2 a gallon? What? No, three, three, $3 a gallon. I'm moving to Arkansas. Drilling your own oil? Yeah, $30 <laughs> a gallon. Right. So, uh, gosh, national? So I would guess what four twenty five. Okay, James. I'm kind of in line with Henry. I'm gonna go right underneath him at four bucks. I feel like that's kind of floating. It, it, I mean, good news is gas came down recently. I know I'm paying a lot less at the pump, so I'm going with four. All right, Kathy, what do you got? I feel like you always are in tune with this stuff, Kathy. <laughs> I'm only in tune because I filled up my tank yesterday because I'm in Utah and I feel like Utah is kind of an average place. Okay. Yeah. If I were in California, it, was, it would be like, no, it's at least a dollar or two more than anywhere else. But it was three fifty. I think. I think it was what it was at the pump yesterday. So I'm going to say three seventy five. Okay. I'm going to, yeah, I think that sounds about right. Kaylin just slacked me the answer. So I'm going to guess $3.90. But the answer is okay. It's three forty. Oh wow! Did anyone guess that low? No, no. That's a, that's a surprise. It is, and I actually I actually saw something about this that it gasoline prices surprisingly are back like where they were a year ago before the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which is what sent gas prices. One of the reasons gas prices went up so much. So that is a good sign in terms of inflation. We need to hit up all our labor guys. I keep getting charged because that's all my guys are saying. I'm like, oh, no, no. Gas is expensive. Gas is expensive. I'm pulling that stat out <laughs> on them next time. <laughs> the travel card. asking for receipts. I've been doing that too. <laughs> okay. Next we have, this one's going to be really hard because I have no basis. I don't even have any idea. The nat the cost of lumber per thousand board feet. James, I feel like you're gonna nail this, but Henry is already shaking his head. You have no idea, do you? <laughs> Zero clue. I, I know Is lumber. it like in the tens? Is it in the thousands? No, I mean it's definitely in the hundreds. It's um Okay. It's it so lumber actually fell for a while, then it kind of came back up for a minute. Like the uh, like kind of in, in the fall. So I'm gonna guess about five hundred bucks, roughly. Okay. Kathy, what do you got? 
I'm going to nail this because I just got a bid and I've been watching super carefully because as you know, we have a, a development project here in Park City, which is why I'm here for this ride off. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I am, I'm here at the project and last year or early this year, it was like $1,400. So the bids we were getting from our builder were astronomic. And uh, this is why one of the deals I'm looking at is so, so, so much better right now because it, it was just, I, I locked in the bid when it was about 350, um, uh, uh, you know, 350. And now I think it's gone up. I don't know how much, but it's gone up in just in the last few weeks. And I don't know why, and I don't know if it's going to continue, but I locked in my, my construction bid. So I'm stoked. <laughs> All right. Well, you're both pretty close, Henry. I'm not even gonna guess, but because I, I looked, I just looked it up because I have no idea. But uh, it, it is four hundred and sixty-three dollars as of this minute on uh, Wednesday, January twenty-fifth. So you're both pretty close. It is down fifty-five percent from last year, so that is remarkable. But it's actually starting to trend back upwards. It's up eight percent just this week alone, and sixteen percent this month, which is kind of interesting and something probably anyone who's in development or Flipping will probably pay attention to, um, obviously, a major call center there. Now, let's get to the important stuff. James, how much is a dozen eggs in the United States right now? <laughs> you know, I don't even eat eggs that often. So, I, you know, I'm going to throw out eight bucks. Eight bucks. Okay. Because he buys organic. That's why. <laughs> eight, eight bucks. I know. I, all I know is I saw Henry Washington's omelet. Uh, <laughs> I was dying, so I'm, I'm going. I'm going with eight bucks. <laughs> Henry, what do you pay for this? And for anyone who didn't see, Henry put out a great uh, reel where his flex, like him showing off his real estate success, was making a two egg omelet instead of a one egg omelet. <laughs> two eggs, buddy. He's just flexing hard. So, how much did that cost you? Uh, it, dude, I couldn't tell you the last time I was in a grocery store buying eggs. We we Instacart everything. Uh, uh, but I know I've seen like on coastal places, eggs have been as much as like nine dollars. But I think here we're substantially less. So I'm I'm guessing what six bucks. Okay, Kathy. Well, I do go to grocery stores. I do buy eggs, and uh, I I also buy organic eggs, and I haven't seen a difference. They are between six and eight dollars I overpay anyway uh, but I did send my daughter's boyfriend to the store and he bought the cheap eggs and I'm guessing they were around I don't know three or four bucks I have no idea I'm in Utah it's it's like different prices than California all right Kathy I think you're the closest the the U.S. dozen eggs right now is to three dollars and 28 cents which uh seems reasonable to me but it is up 173% year over year, which is remarkable. So it's almost doubled. But the good news is it's down 15% this week and down 35% this month. So eggs are heading in the right direction. Um, I have been tracking this one a little bit because I, to poke fun a little bit at what's going on, obviously don't want anyone to get hurt. But for a little while, um, like two weeks ago, Eggs were outpacing returns on Bitcoin for the last three years, like over a three-year period. Eggs were beating Bitcoin, um, so it a, <laughs> I think it's it's about even now. But man, you should have just invested in eggs. All right. Well, thank you for playing this game. This has been uh, fun. Hopefully, uh, if you guys want to check out this stuff, um, these types of prices, especially uh, pr uh, commodities that actually do with uh, real estate. 
There's a website called tradingeconomics.com. You can check this out. It's entirely for free. Has weekly, monthly data um, just about commodities prices. If you are interested, if you're in flipping renovations, um, anything from eggs to lumber to uh, metals, anything like that. So you can check that out. Uh, next, we're going to get into the deals that Kathy, Henry, and James are doing. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash pockets, fundrise.com slash pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make your moves count. Bought a rental? That's a move. Made some serious stock gains? That's a move. Quit your job to go full-time on your side hustle? That's a move. Relocated for a fresh start? Okay, that's literally a move. Your moves made a big difference in your life last year. Now it's time to make the most of your moves. Whether you moved on from a job, made moves in your own business, did some side hustling, or house flipped your way to financial freedom, TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction that you deserve, filing with 100% accuracy, and getting your max refund guaranteed. Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. TurboTax will make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest stay. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing or two about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with a reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com backslash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com backslash biggerpockets. All right. Who wants to go first? All right, Kathy, you 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 were the first to make eye contact with me. You oh, first. Okay. Well, I am here at, at our project in Discovery Ridge and in, in, um, in Park City, and there's just I just love this project because it overlooks Woodward. We went night skiing last night. It's all jumps and stuff, and I think I think it's one of those unique opportunities where uh, um, you know this this just the values just aren't going to go down over time. Right now they are down. So to me, that's just a great opportunity to get into an area where it's really hard to build, to bring on new new supply. And, um, and it's kind of a world-class place. Like you can't generally have a house right next to a bunch of ski jumps all the time, right? It's unique. 
Uh, so I see it as opportunity. Uh, it's our own project, but I still have to pay retail because, of course, we have investors in it. Um, and the deal I'm looking at is just a lot that overlooks Woodward, the the ski jumps and stuff. We can buy the lot for about four hundred thousand, and uh, the bid I got was for one point five million. So that's you know brings us to around one point nine. And a house next door just sold for two point five to an HGTV star actually, who's going to put in a few hundred thousand of upgrades in it and do a HGTV show on it. I can't give the details yet, but uh, so you just got to sell it to Jamil. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you can have like a little HGTV, or is he A&E? He's A&E. Yeah, look at you. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh-oh. Uh, there's Oops. competition. <laughs> yeah, so to me, it's just like this, a lot of people can't see something that's not there, and a lot of times I can't either. Like, my husband can actually see a finished product. I I can't, but I, I get a feeling of things, and I know what uh, is going to be valuable over the long run, and that's unique. And so I stood on the land and I, I think a lot of people just look at the lot and they just saw dirt, <laughs> you know, but I went up onto the top of the lot and looked at what you would be seeing from the master bedroom, from the living room. And it's phenomenal. And I just like, nobody else can see this. So I'm really excited. I feel like I could double our money in a, in a year. And I, like I said, I locked in the bid when now the commodity prices are so much lower than they were just, just seven months ago. Um, yet the prices haven't fallen you know, in, in line with the commodity prices. So anyway, I, I just, I love unique opportunities in world-class areas. And I see this area as never, never going down in value over the long term. I feel like Kathy, you have this love hate relationship with new construction. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm curious, like what about, you know, obviously it sounds a great lot, but what about the timing makes this a good use of your money and effort? That's a great question. I, I would say being, yeah, that's a really good question. There's enough cushion here in this one and it's risky. It is, a, it's, it's for sure risky. This isn't something I would recommend to just about, you know, to, if you have to have uh, a love for skiing, I think, and understanding places like Park City to do a deal like this and, and be like, hey, if I st was stuck with this property, could I handle it? Um, it won't cash flow. It might cash flow on a short-term rental, but I would never want to put all my eggs in that basket <laughs> because the short-term rental market is really uncertain right now. Um, so it would have to be one of those things. If I don't sell it and make that profit, I'm going to have to hold it and it will probably be negative cash flow, but I have enough confidence in this area. And I really do believe that uh, interest rates are going to go down this year and there's going to be, I think there's going to be another frenzy, buying frenzy coming. Um, and that will be right around the time when the when the house is finished, and I don't have to do the work. I just get to to do the fun stuff of picking out, you know, the the finishings and and so forth. So um, I don't know. To me, it just makes sense. But I agree with you, and I love new homes. I just think a lot of if I love them, other people love them too. And the comps around here are double um, that that. So two and a half million sounds like a lot, but the area, the average price around here is around four and a half million. So. I still feel like we're under market and people just can't see it because it's dirt. But once these houses are finished, there that's when the value, I think, will really be there. Yeah. I mean, I, if you got stuck with this beautiful house at Park City, I feel like that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And it's a construction to perm loan. So I hate balloon loans. I've been stuck in those before. And that's really stressful because you got to get out of it. Uh, so the, the loan we would be getting is a it's a construction loan. So they, they give you the money as you go, but you don't pay the interest on it. And you don't pay the interest on the whole amount. It's just as much as you use until it's done, which would be next year. 
and then it converts into, uh, I think we're looking at the seven-year uh, fixed. So then we're not stressed out in terms of having to sell it right away in one year if the market's maybe not recovered yet. We can hold it for a bit. And I know the rental market is strong. We just won't. We just won't cash flow on it for sure. <laughs> we have to hold it. <laughs> you might get good. So I, me and my wife are just looking at uh, to book a trip to Park City. And man, those hotels are expensive. Oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, they're <laughs> it's five hundred a night for the be- a Best Western. I mean, it's it's nuts. And if you want to be in a nice place, you're you're paying a thousand bucks a night. So to again, to me, because they don't want new construction usually in areas like this. These are sensitive habitat areas so you know the summit county and in utah they do not want more construction and they make it really difficult but we're past all that we have the permits on this we we have everything's been approved so that gives it that there's intrinsic value right there yeah some of the hotel rates we're looking at were 2500 a night i was like what is going on i was like i thought skiing was supposed to be like this you grab your skis and you save some money and you go have a good day i was like no thanks oh no it's insane no, no, no. Skiing is, it's like $250 to $300 just for a lift ticket for a day. It's crazy. And it's Sundance Film Festival. You, you were probably looking at Sundance Film Festival where you've just got lots of people coming in and lots of, you know, rich people coming in, which is why this area kind of got on the map to begin with. It was just a poor mining town until someone from Hollywood thought this would be a great place to have a film festival. So, a lot of billionaires came here and they, you know, there's just a lot of money here, a lot of really nice restaurants. But yeah, I looked at, that was, I mean, it, it's, it just, prices keep going up because I think in this case, Park City made number three of the best places to live in US News and World Report or best place to vacation or something like that. So it just keeps getting notoriety and um, and prices aren't as high as like Vail or Aspen. There's still like 60% of that. So I, I see an upside here. And how is it finding contractors? I know you have relationships here, but are you noticing a difference in the market in the availability of, you know, general contractors, trades, ability to get some of the finishes that you were talking about? Has Have you noticed that shift? We have a builder at Discovery Ridge who we love and he's he's on, he's here for us and we trust him. And he, he really thinks ahead. He's the one that we brought in when our original contractor uh, came to us a year ago and was like, I can't find any lumber, so I can't do the job. And like, well, you have to do the job. So we ended up getting out of that contract and hiring um, the, the the builder that we have now because he had lumber. <laughs> so, and, and he had lumber only because another project he was working on uh, got stalled because of the county. They don't want new construction here. So if you've got land that's already approved and permitted, it's really worth a lot. Awesome. And we do, we, we love the contractor and he's, that's the other thing is is prices are down now. I mean, there's a lot of uh, subs that just don't have work now. So, you know, all the costs to build are, are coming down. Um, at least that's the bid is hundreds of thousands of dollars less than it would have been just six months ago. Wow. That's awesome. James Henry, any other questions for Kathy before we move on here? Uh, can I stay in your condo? anytime oh my gosh tell me the date and you're in absolutely done it's 2400 and that's it yeah the rope go tickets it sounds like what you're saying kathy is that you understand there's a risk in this deal but you have enough expert knowledge about that market to and and a leg up when it comes to being able to do new construction in a place that's not typically allowing it for anybody else that 
you're willing to take that risk because the upside is so good and because you you understand those risks are limited because of the information you have. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. Uh, you know, new construction is, uh, people love new places, right? And in an older town like Park City, for example, a lot of the buildings are old and and um, and the, the floor plans aren't as nice. They don't have the high ceilings. They they don't have the amenities that a new home would have. So uh, there's always going to be demand for that. And especially if you're in an area where there's so much money, so much money where people, I had friends who said, hey, come stay with us in, in, in Park City. It's only like, <laughs> it's like James said, it's only going to be 1200 a night. Like, I can't pay that. I just, I don't feel good about that. I can't do that. Uh, but if I'm able to buy a place that, like the the townhome that we have, it pays for itself because when we're not using it, we just short term rental in it, and it's it's stayed pretty steady. It's it stayed rented, which is amazing. So it it so we get to basically be here for free. I guess you could look at it that way. Do you have a professional property management company for that short term rental? You know, I still manage my short term rentals myself. Really, I only have our two little little guest house that are in our primary, and then this is our first. Uh, property that that isn't um near me it's it's out of state so it was kind of scary and i had a property manager but they were not responsive and so i just started kind of doing it myself and then i found a house cleaner that i totally trust and she's been amazing so she and then our next door neighbor said we'll kind of watch over it for you too so we're going to pay him a little bit of money for that uh, we became friends with literally the the neighbor next door who's fine with it and um so we're just doing it ourselves and saving that money because sometimes the Property management fees and in resort towns are it's it's like it, it totally kills the cash flow. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm asking for for personal reference. <laughs> it's it's very expensive. It's expensive uh, and, and not very good and, and not, not good, good and not good. And so now I have a, a house cleaner who's who really understands what I want and is really committed to it. So so far so good. Nice, nice. Last time I walked into my short-term rental, it's in a resort town. Uh, all the doors were just unlocked and open. I was just like, okay, oh, cool. my it's God. just it's wow. just like letting people in. All the like all the cords from all the electronics were missing. They didn't steal the electronics, just the cords. <laughs> I was like, what the <laughs> hell is going on here? Oh so, like someone's just like trying to annoy me. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> that's more annoying than taking the TV. Um, anyway, let's move on. Henry, <laughs> what do you got for us in, I assume it's in Arkansas. What do you got? Yeah. Yeah. You know me. I'm just, just, uh, uh, you know, hitting base hits over here consistently, you know, not, not going to the moon, just, uh, trying to do solid deals. So we've got a single family house that we are buying. Uh, it's a three, two ranch style house here in Lowell, Arkansas. And so the, the goal with this one is, we're paying one sixty five. It's um I think it's about seventeen, eighteen hundred square feet. Um, probably a little bigger. We're paying one sixty five and um you know what I what I try to do with my deals, especially um and the, with the way the market is set up right now, is I, I don't want to get into anything that I only have one exit, right? You know, and you know, a year ago, you know, two years ago, if you did that, chances are, if you only had one exit, by the time you got to finish whatever you were doing to that property, the value was even higher than you anticipated it. Right. And that's just, that's just not what we're seeing now. And so 
uh, we've got this, what, like I said, one, uh, 165. And so there's a few options, right? And so option number one is to take the max amount of money we can make by flipping this property. So we can spend 25 to 35,000 and then I can sell this property at 265. Um, and that's a conservative, a conservative ARV for the property. So, and it's, and it's, it's mostly cosmetics, paint floors, uh, countertops, um, and, and, you know, paint floors, countertops, backsplash, maybe updating the master bathroom shower a little bit, right? That's probably the most invasive thing we would do is tear out an old shower insert and do a whole new tile, uh, shower again, six months ago, a year ago, we didn't even have to do that. You just had to clean those things, but you know, now more competition on the market, less buyers. You want to make sure you set yourself apart. So we would spend a little more than we typically would, or than we have been, but 25, 35, and I can sell it for 265. Uh, option two is we would put zero into it. Uh, maybe, maybe a grand, call it a grand into it. Cause we'd clean it out and, you know, f- fix any holes in the wall or something like that. And then just sell it for 200, right? So sell it under market value, do, do like a wholesale, right? So sell it under market value. Somebody that wants to get a home with some equity in it can come in there and make any updates that they want. Right. But then I can get to my profits quicker. That just won't be as much profit as if I, sell it for 265 and option three is always assigning it to another investor where um i could assign it maybe for you know 175 right so i've got three exits uh for this property and so that's what made me feel confident in doing the deal because i can make money now i can make a little bit of money now i can make a little more money in about 60 to 90 days or i can make uh uh, a, a much larger profit. Probably it's probably going to take about four to five months just with the average days on market right now. Right. So we could finish the rehab quickly, but we don't know how long it's going to sit. Uh, so that's why I like these base hits. I can get them funded fairly easily. We're going to use private money to take this one down. So it's going to be uh private money, probably uh 5k out of my pocket max, maybe nothing. Right. And so I'm able to take other people's money and then buy these base hits still, even in this economy, in this market and, and turn a profit. So, uh, you know, I, I like these, I like these little base hits, man. So Henry, that, I mean, it sounds like a great deal. I, I, talk, can you tell us a little bit about your process? It sounds like you have three good options. How do you decide? Oh, uh, that's a phenomenal question. I, I, I focus more on acquisition than I do on disposition, right? So I, I'm more concerned with what am I getting into the deal for? And then I let my financial situation and my business situation determine what I'm going to do to make the money. So if I have contractors ready to go and I'm cash flush, um, then I go ahead and I do the long term and make the most money because I know I can get a contractor in there, even though it's, even though it's going to take a little longer. Um, to get to the money, I don't need the cash right away. And I've got contractors ready to go that I want to keep busy so that I don't lose them. Right. And so I put them on that project. If I'm in a situation where, um, I'm cash poor at the moment and I don't have contractors ready to go, then I go ahead and either do an assignment or a wholesale cause I get there quicker. Um, plus, uh, I don't have to take a contractor off of another job, which may be higher priority or, uh, netting a larger return 
Um, and so it's more just about what does my business bank account say that I need to do and, and what is my, and what does my contractor situation look like? I think that's a, what Henry just said is, it, I think is really, really important for all investors is, you know, a lot of times, even if you have liquid, you got to look at what you both have. What's your resources? Resources come down to liquidity and then how can you stabilize and execute that plan? But they're also those are two separate things. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, I can get myself into trouble because I'll go chase that good deal. And then I don't have a contractor and then it sits stale and you're just trying to get to it. And that all worked for the last 24 months when the market's going up like this. But, you know, right now, it's I think it's really important to buy. It's all about mitigating risk. And this that is another reason I love Henry's deal right now is he can buy this deal and do three different things with it. And maybe in a fourth thing and keep as a rental if you, if you want to. In, in in a market that gets flat, you want either two things. You want multiple exit strategies where you can mitigate risk by doing four different things and you can still build wealth or a return. But in addition to you, uh, or it's either you mitigate risk with multiple exit strategies or you have to buy extra deep, right? You get more margins in your deals. And right now, inventory is still really low. So getting extra deep is hard. And so these deals that you can cover on all different angles, that's how you mitigate risk in this market. I hear a lot of people like, oh, the market's going to crash. The market's going to crash. And maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I don't Who knows? But that means you can still buy in a market because it doesn't really matter if the values drop or go down. If you can keep as a rental, you can wholesale it. You can fix and flip it. You can wholetale it. You know, that's a that's a all encompassing good deal right now. And that's if you're nervous about the market, that's what you want to buy. And you know, both deals, actually, Kathy and Henry, have really good upside in them, but it depends on what you're trying to do as an investor. And sometimes it's good to buy both of those type of deals because it balances out your portfolio. You get Kathy's with the huge equity gain, and then you got Henry's that you're not going to get hit on as long as you have your systems and prepped. But what Henry said is really important. Don't buy unless you're ready to execute that plan right away. That's how all businesses work, too. Like, you know, if I'm selling pens and trinkets, I'm not going to go buy a bunch of inventory that I don't think I can sell later just to buy it. And so it's, you know, work, look at what your skill set is, what you have, and then buy off that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that, that sentiment. Cause I think uh, especially new investors, they get pigeonholed into these ideas of like, um, the exit strategy is first, right? You hear it all the time. Like I want to wholesale. I want to be a fix and flipper. I want to be a landlord. And I, I get why that thought process makes sense to them. But at the end of the day, what's most important isn't the exit. It's always the entry. You make your money on the buy, right? And you insulate yourself from risk on the buy. And then if you think so, um, if you think so one-sided about what you're looking for, then you'll only see those options. And what I like about our strategy is we think deal get the deal. If we get the deal, I know I can get multiple exits. So I'm not leaving money on the table by passing on something. Like if I was just looking from a buy and hold perspective, then I probably would overlook this deal because at 165 in this area, 165 plus 25, right? So 25 or 30. So call it 200. I could probably get 15 to $1,700 a month rent out of it, which isn't going to cash flow after expenses. And so if I'm looking at this from only a landlord's perspective, because I say I want to be a landlord, then then I can't then I pass up on this deal. But then if you don't think of it as is it a good deal and can I monetize it a different way, then you leave all that profit on the table. We could make as much as fifty to sixty grand doing the long term flip. 
right? And so you're leaving that money on the table thinking so one-sided. It's about like, think about what is a good deal and how can you monetize those deals? And, uh, and then especially if you can have more than one exit, even if it's not your main strategy, you can still make money in this market today right now. That's a great point, Henry. I think for people like you who can pull off different strategies, but what do you say to like people who are new right now who like, you know, considering one strategy is pretty, might be daunting if you've never done a deal. They're not, they're thinking like, oh yeah, sometimes I just feel like it's, it's easier for people to focus and just say like, don't worry about all these different things. So like, how would someone who's not comfortable with all these different strategies that you are approach a deal or finding a deal like this? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'm not saying don't focus. I'm saying don't focus on the disposition, right? So the, the, the common denominator amongst every real estate disposition strategy in order for, to make money anyway is you need to buy a good deal. And so shift your focus from the exit strategy of saying, I want to find a house to flip and your focus should be on, I want to find a good deal, right? And if that's your focus, right, then you're, you're, the things you'll be focusing on are the strategies that you need to bring those good deals into your plate, right? If you are generating leads for deals, evaluating those deals and making offers consistently, you'll find good deals, right? And then once you have that good deal on the hook, it's then you can think about, all right, now, how do I go monetize this? I know it's a great deal because I know what good deals look like in my market. I know it's under market value. And so trust me, if it's a good deal, somebody that that somebody in your network will want to buy that from you or outside of your net. Call James, he'll probably buy it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for a first time investor, I just want to say you might not get the best deal on your first investment. And that's okay. Because what's important is that you're doing a deal and there's so much to learn just in that first deal, just even the terminology of of the the lending side of it and understanding all the details of, of getting a loan, whether it's a conventional loan or a hard money loan, it's a completely different language. So I just want to let people know you don't have to wait for the kind of deals that Henry's getting or that James are, is getting because... They've been doing this a long time and they're going to probably beat you to that deal. All the experts out there, you might get the second best deal. You might get what they didn't take, but it still would be a good deal for you because it's your first. So I, I just I just don't want a new investor thinking that they've got to be as good as Henry. or They've got to be as good as James on their first deal because you're just going to learn so much. If it cash flows enough, like if it just covers your expenses, that might be a good first deal. If you're able to to flip it and make a little bit of money on your first deal, that is better than losing money on your first deal. But the amount of things that you learn, uh, it, that that's what matters is getting out there and doing it. I love this, Kathy. I've been on this sort of like risk kick because I think people talk about reward and they're like, I want the best deal. And I'm like, <laughs> these things go hand in hand, right? Yeah. Risk and reward are counterbalance to each other. So in order to get an incredible return, often you have to take on more risk. And when you're new, the risk, you know, the risk you would be taking on to do Henry's deal is way higher for you because you don't have the experience in the team that Henry has. And I think that for new people getting their first deal, it's like, just don't lose money. You know, it's like, just do something that's, that's, that's going to make your, improve your financial position, even if it's just modestly, because Frankly, people like the three of you 
can afford to lose every once in a while. And you can take on the additional risk in pursuit of that higher reward because you're not putting all of your money into this one deal. For new investors, sometimes they are putting all of your mm -hmm. money into that one deal. And if you put all of your money in expecting the highest return or chasing the highest return, you're putting all your money in on something that might be overly risky and it's not that good of a decision. So I, I really like that that uh, that advice because it really just pays to be patient to learn and to just like have appropriate expectations, especially in this kind of market, because there is more risk right now than there there has been over the last few years. Yeah. I just I just sold a flip that we had for 90 days that I made a whopping drum roll. <laughs> Thirteen hundred dollars. Yeah, you know what? Anything in the green's a win, though. Green is a win, right? I just sold a flip where there we were not in the green, so it's you know that's just the way it goes. But I think I think what Dave said is really important. Chasing the best deal, the best deal for me is different than the best deal for Henry. The best deal for me is the different deal for Kathy. Right? We have different definitions of it. And the higher the return, the higher the risk. This is a risky business. Like, you know, and that's why we've seen short-term rentals, flips, and developments kind of get hit up, beat up the last six to nine months. They were high returns. They have down, they have downside, and the downside stings. And so just when you're looking at that deal, find out what you're trying to accomplish. Maybe you're trying to grow rapidly and you want to get into that really risky deal. That's maybe that's your objective. If you want to steadily grow, you don't need to buy. The, the best return because the best return comes with a lot of hair typically and in that it and you got to cut through you got to make it look good and it's so just all don't bite off more than you can chew because i've bought in plenty of deals where i didn't really I, there was a big learning curve on them they would have been a really good deal for a lot of other people and it turned into a bad one for me because i just wasn't on it i just was figuring things out but at least I, like kathy said i learned some valuable lessons on those properties yeah, I, I think I we just looked at our stats this year and we helped 165 people buy their first deal this year. Nice. Um, so we were super just like we handheld those people. These were not extraordinary deals. I don't think James would buy it. I don't think Henry would. But they uh, are, you know, already finished homes that uh, that cash flow six to eight percent. You know, again, nothing astronomical, but it's great for a first investment, especially for people that don't have the experience in growth markets. So, you know, again, depending on what you're trying to do and what your parameters are, everybody's different. If you're going to get your hands dirty, if you're going to find the property, fix it up, work with wholesalers, you know, do it all yourself, you should be getting a better deal. If you're having someone else do it for you, uh, then you're going to, you have to give some of that profit away and not everyone has the time to do it all themselves. It's kind of the difference between buying a an, an older car that you know you fix up and and make nice or a new car you're just you know it's do you want something with less issues but that serves your purpose um then you're gonna probably just spend a little more money and get a new car um and i'm not saying buying a new new home but if you're gonna buy an older home and try to fix it up there are gonna be more expenses and more issues there and not everybody has the time or expertise to do that i love this conversation because i'm writing a book I don't know if I told you guys, I'm writing another book. It's sort of about this topic and you're giving me a lot to think about, but we have to move on. So James, <laughs> you, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, what's a good deal for you? You, you just took a haircut on one. It sounds like, so what are you moving on to next? Uh, you know, we're still looking in all different categories. We, we always are buying. So we're still looking fix and flip, looking for our, our smaller single family buying holds with some development upside, but the, the one thing I 
you know, there's pros and cons to market transitions, right? The con is I just lost money on a flip property. That's just the way it went. The pros is different opportunities start coming into the market that we weren't able to get the last couple of years and, and we're able to buy different things. And so like over the last six months, we've, it's not because we pivoted our plan. We're just going where the returns are and the opportunities are. And, you know, for the last 24 months, we bought a lot of fix and flip, a lot of short uh, development sites. Uh, we sold a lot of rental properties, two to four units. And what we couldn't get were these larger apartment deals or anything like above 20 to 20 units. I mean, the cap rate just got so bad. The returns got so bad because there was so much liquidity in the market consuming this. And there's a lot of 1031 exchange going on too, where people were just overpaying because they had to place money. And we're excited about this deal because we, we got a deal that's closed in in about four weeks. Yeah, it's a 32-unit apartment building built in 1980 in Federal Way, Washington, which is just a South King County submarket. It's a very stable rental market in general. Um, it, it's just like your steady return market. Like Seattle's kind of got its all different type. You know, Seattle gets you higher appreciation, a little bit more hair on your rentals, uh, and typically a lower cap rate. Um, but we're buying this 32 unit building. Uh, the purchase price on this is 6.225 million. We're putting in a $1.7 million in the renovation. It's, it's roughly about 40 K a unit. Um, and then after it's stabilized, it's going to stabilize out at a 7.26 cap rate, which we have not been able to get tw 12 months ago. We were like, we were trying to get into like a five and a half cap at that point. Um, and the estimated market value based on a 5.6 cap, which is actually a little bit uh, above what, what, or it's, 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 it's very conservative for how things have been trading, uh, that the market, uh, eval is going to be 10.54 million. So we're getting a huge equity pipe on this. Um, the anticipated IRR is at a 165 to 17% IRR. And then one thing that we're, that we the deal just got better for us is we had we thought we had locked our rate at six percent and actually it just came down to 5.75 so that we're actually getting a better yield walking in just because our rates are falling right before closing um so we're, uh, we really like this deal for numerous reasons a it's built in 1980s it's an easy construction plan for us a lot of the stuff in seattle is old 1920s 1950s it comes with a lot of hair a lot of permitting and also, it has a lot of dead time on our money because we have to vacate the buildings, we have to replumb them, and so the systems are good on the building. We like the overall location of it because it's in a market that's very stable, right? Like Federway, Auburn, South King County, or South King County in Washington State alone. In the 2008 crash, it just stayed, the rents just kind of stayed. And as incomes have gone up, costs have gone up, and the cost of housing has gone up so much in this area that the rents are just kind of, they, they kind of did their jump and they're just leveling out and they still have steady growth going on right now because the cost of rent is still so much cheaper than the cost to buy uh, with the current rates. Um, and then we also like the mixture count. It's a, it's a mixture of one, twos, and three bedrooms. And so we have different types of mixtures that attract different types of tenants, different types of... Uh, um, different types of incomes. And so we just feel like this is an overall really good buy. We're getting a solid equity position. It's an easy cosmetic turn. And the, the uh, IRR is around right around 17%, which is about two to two and a half points higher than we were seeing even 12 months ago. So um, as the market transitions, different opportunities are getting put in front of us. And we're just having to look at things differently. It's not that I'm not looking for more fix and flip and development sites. 
I'm just seeing this, this is the best opportunities that we're seeing right now. And so we're buying on what the opportunities are. Um, and, uh, the really cool thing is we've, we, this is now our third deal. We're wrapping up in the last like 160 days, uh, or no, about 180 days. And we have not been able to buy this product. Uh, it was very, very hard to find it, or we had to find ones that needed a lot more construction work to get these same kind of numbers, but that's a lot more headache, a lot more, you know, you need a lot more staff, a lot more management. Uh, you get a lot more variables in there. So we're able to reduce risk and get a better return than we were seeing 12 months ago. Incredible. Are you syndicating that? We are. Yeah. So typically we usually syndicate, unless we're doing some trading around, uh, like a lot of times if we're like above 10 units, we're usually, or I'd say above 20 units, we're syndicating those. We did just buy a 24 unit where we bought it ourselves um, because we were doing a 1031 exchange. Um, but typically, yeah, we're, we're, we're syndicating these ones. So James, we, we've had some conversations with people recently. You talked to Ben Miller uh, recently. Kathy and I had a conversation with Brian Burke about just the state of multifamily. Like what are you afraid at all? Or what makes you feel good about this deal? Given the, you know, there is some like, just to be frank, overall pessimism about the state of multifamily right now. And I get why there's there 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 should be pessimism in multifamily, especially specific markets. And in what it always comes down for me is knowing we only buy in our backyard for a reason. It's it, it, we you know I I'm a one dimensional investor where I stay in Washington State because we know it like the back of our hand, and we know it's not we're not reading graphs and trends to backtrack and see what's going on. We lived through those trends during those times. And and so the, the risk in multifamily is the stepped on performas or where they're matching the growth that they've had historically over the last 12 to 24 months, which is unreasonable, right? It, flipping also would be very risky if you're putting appreciation in your deals like a lot of people were doing the last 12 to 24 months. And so it comes down to your core underwriting, knowing your product and knowing where the rents are. And like even this right here, our perform on rents, like we have a three bed, one bath at twenty four fifty a month. These also have vaulted ceilings. They're they're big sized units. And our our rent comp that we're using was a two bed, one bath that had same site vaulted ceilings, and that rented out for twenty three hundred. So we're not pushing our rents very hard. And so as long as you're keeping your performa realistic, it's 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 I'm not as worried about the risk. In addition to, I always like to look into that cost to rent. Like, what makes sense? What's common sense? If cost of housing to own this unit is going to cost 30% more on a monthly payment, then I feel pretty good about my rent staying stable. Now, if the cost to own was right about par, yes, I think it's going to come down a little bit. But, you know, it really comes down to what, just like anything, like I'm watching where the trends in the hockey sticks were. Like on Fix and Flip right now, I'm the neighborhoods, the hockey sticked up really high. I'm still being cautious and running my values a little bit lower because there could be a little bit further drop. Same with rents. If we're seeing rents that hockey sticked up, we're being very, very conservative. Like in the city of Seattle, they climbed very quickly. And in the luxury higher end market, those were compressed backwards. But they also jumped like 30% last year, which was a huge which is a huge increase. So on those ones, we're actually bringing those down. But in this market, it was more of a stable growth where we didn't see that hockey stick. It was, yes, it was good growth. We were seeing 10 to 15%, but a lot of that was also backed up from COVID. We couldn't raise rents for two years. So it was like a more normalized rent growth. And so we're just looking for the normalities. 
And at the end of the day, we're still buying this at a cap rate that's two points better than what we were seeing 12 months ago. And our IRR is still two to three points better as well. So we have the padding in our performa to where, yes, they could go down a little bit, but we're still going to be really happy with the return. Nice. So how how uh, representative of what you're seeing is this deal? Like, are you seeing a lot of these or is this still like relatively, you know, you're saying you're seeing more opportunities. So are these like becoming abundant or is it just like, if you search, you can find these good quality multifamily deals still. You have to dig and search still. Like there's deals in every space right now, but you have to go looking for them. You know, like even this one, it was one of those deals where, you know, we, we're constantly building our network of multifamily brokers. We're digging for deals ourselves. And I mean, we probably wrote 30, 35 offers before this one stuck. And so it's not that we're not swinging and missing on deals, or I, actually, I don't call it swinging and missing because we didn't want it, didn't hit our, didn't hit our buy box. But it, the stuff in the multifamily space is still priced pretty heavy right now. I've noticed it's just sitting there. It's the, there isn't a ton of movement going on, but there is opportunity when people have made the decision to sell. They are getting, they're moving their product. And the one thing about this is, this seller had really low rents. He had owned this property for over forty years. I'm actually very familiar with this property. So randomly back when I used to door knock, uh, when I was like 22, 23 years old, that was part of my territory. There is a condo complex in between two apartments. And we're actually trying to buy the other apartment building right now. But there was a lot of foreclosures in there. And I used to sit in this parking lot all the time on my computer with my hotspot, like looking for deals and going in. And so I just kind of know it for this area fairly well but this guy's rents are so low in, in when the rents are that low it's hard for people to get financing and people kind of you know they're like looking on the surface they're like well i don't want to get the financing the rents aren't covering whereas if you set your loans and your leverage is set up right you can still get in these opportunities and so people are kind of taking like the really low rents and they're like well it's just too hard to get it close and they move on to the next deal so we're chasing those but they are kind of a needle in the haystack um i mean we've probably written at least a hundred offers in the last 180 days. And we've gotten three deals, wow. but the three deals are really good ones and we're happy with them. So it, I wouldn't say there's an abundance of them. You have to go dig in. You got to be consistent. You got to, you got to stick to your numbers and then move on to the next deal. For those of us not, in, not so familiar with the Seattle market, we just hear what the news is saying and that there's so many layoffs. I mean, are you, are you concerned about that? Or do you think that the jobs are going to be coming back? Um, so in this, and this is why I like this product, the layoffs won't affect this demographic that rents here. Where we're seeing the compression in the tech markets in early lease in Seattle is in that higher median home price, because again, the layoffs and their incomes and their stocks are going down. So it's really that tech, that tech market. The average tech renter is going to be spending probably at least 25% more than this on the rent. And they're going to be in a different area, more infill, more central location. Those markets have compressed back because, A, there's been a substantial more units built in those markets, whereas in the sub-markets, they they're not building a lot of units here, right? They're still the renovated units. So there's less inventory in this market. And then the average tech, just, the average tech those have came down, but these ones, we're, we're talking more like, this is your blue collar, uh, like the average rental median income for this area is like $56,000. So it, it, it fits inside the wheelhouse. So it's not going to be affected by where the mass layoffs is. That labor market's actually still doing very strong. Like I'm still paying my property managers, my accountants, my, my kind of entry level positions. We're still paying them like 35% higher than we were two years ago. So they, they've got that income growth. 
And, and those jobs are still in high demand. Like if I want to go hire a property manager right now locally, it takes a while to fill this job. And so the, in that demographic, there's still a lot of demand for the labor. And so that workforce is very stable. So there's there's work in Seattle outside of the tech industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a lot of, I swear, a lot of that's still hype though. Like you see the big number in the, yes. the news. I, I know a ton of people work at Amazon, Microsoft, uh, all these, not one of them has been laid off, nor are they worried about getting laid off. And so it's, you know, they are big numbers in the, in, in the newspapers, but these are big companies with a lot of employees. Totally. And so the overall percentage of it isn't that big. And, and I mean, I'm not really, I, I have not heard of anybody getting laid off personally. And I know a lot of people in the tech industry here. Yeah. There, I saw some stat that like Amazon, uh, I think it, the lay, the big layoffs was less than 1% of its, its corporate workforce. Yeah, there's probably just a, a just all the jobs that were created over the last couple of years to to deal with all the people that were staying at home and ordering stuff on Amazon and now maybe it's just coming back to to normal. And they're they're still way bigger than they were before the pandemic. Like way yeah. bigger. What? Uh you know, like a lot of these companies doubled in in you know, I don't know Amazon off the top of my head, but you see all of these companies that just went exploded and they probably got out over their skis, but you know, now um, it's not super big. All right. Well, this is a great episode. Time flies. We do have to get out of here, but thank you all for sharing um, these deals. This has been a lot of fun. If any of you have questions uh, about these specific deals or want to learn how they, uh, these, these three experts are doing these deals, you can reach out to them either on social media or on their website. So Kathy, where can people ask you about uh, your work and your deals? Uh, realwealth.com is our company. And then my Instagram is at Kathy Fedke. All right, James, what about you? Uh, you can check us out on Instagram at jdaneflips or on jamesdaner.com. Henry? Same, same, man. Henrywashington.com or check me on Instagram. I'm at the Henry Washington. All right. And if you want to know about the price of eggs or the other useless stuff I know, <laughs> I am at the Data Deli on Instagram. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time for On the Market. On the Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal. And a big thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show On the Market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.